This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. Another Brisbane Raw season is upon us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brisbane Football Review. It is season six for this podcast, and it's James Scott and Adam with you. As always, we're very pleased to be bringing you our very special season preview edition for the A-League Men's, which is part of the new branding for the competition, and it is also the start of a new era for the podcast as well. We are very pleased to be now on Clutch Radio. If you are tuning in for the first time, welcome aboard. We promise that it is not going to be as rough as my introduction for the first 30-odd seconds has been, and it will get a lot easier. Right, Adam? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, new era, new season, new everything. Uh, it's very, very shiny. Scott, how are the new digs treating you? It's going well at the moment, aren't they? It's absolutely fantastic. Welcome to our new partners at Clutch, and looking forward to another fantastic season, hopefully, for the Brisbane Roar. And if you are tuning in for the first time, whether it is on Clutch Radio or on the various podcast platforms you can find us in, we will... Do a few little introductions. Uh, this is the uh, raw fan based, fan media based podcast, or accredited media as it actually may be. I'm still trying to work out the best way to describe it. It's only been six years, but whatever. Um, we are Brisbane based. We are all raw fans, so probably not going to be the most impartial uh, show you'll get, but we will try and keep it entertaining either way. And the best way to get in contact with us is Facebook, uh, the Raw Review. There is a long story for that uh, that has been brought up on various previous podcasts, and I'm sure you can find out that way. Twitter, at BNE Football. On both of those social channels, you can find uh, news updates as they come to hand uh, for us. We'll share out the stories from all the reporters and whatnot. And then you can also find live coverage of every senior Brisbane Raw A-League men's and women's match. And you can also find coverage of the National Premier Leagues here in Queensland. And I would say that we are possibly the leading outlet for NPL coverage. And once that season comes about, uh, you will have the NPL Sunday show featuring Scott and Adam, which is always a must-listen. So I think that's everything. Oh, the email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. And the podcasts are available on demand on iTunes, Wooshka, Spotify, and various other good podcast platforms. Okay. Two and a half minutes. I think that might be a new record for the uh, season preview show, Scott. That sounds about right. What would I know? I'm just the weekend host. <laughs> weekend host? Yeah, I know. And I'm the featured weekday host, or at least that's what I keep telling myself to justify my existence around here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still applying for my host license. Okay, so, so this we'll is the A-League men's season preview. The competition has undergone a rebranding, but um, I will apologise in advance if anyone gets offended by uh, the constant referring to this as the A-League. I'm probably going to do that for both the men and women, so I just want to get that out of the way nice and early before we get into too much detail. This is our Brisbane Raw season preview and we'll start off with some of the notable off-season stories and the NPL season has just finished and it's wrapped what has been a really excess a really successful season for the raw NPL sides the under 23 well the side competing in the under 23 competition made the grand final the raw youth team which is actually the under 23s that competes in the NPL senior competition here in Queensland finished second on the ladder and were semi-finalists 
going down to Olympic, who lost the grand final to Lions to cap off another memorable season there. Scott, it's pretty good signs for the Raw's development pathways here in Queensland, isn't it? It is, and they had an outstanding season, the young Raw, in the MPL Queensland. A lot of players really took big steps forward. We saw a few of them at the back end of last A-League season in the first team, guys like Alex Parsons, Cyrus Demi, to name two, who broke in at the back end of the season. There's been... Those players have really developed again over the next three or four months in the MPL Queensland. A couple of them even played in the games in the FFA Cup, which we'll get to later on. But the, this has been the best season the young Roar have had, and it's a really, it's really encouraging that they've got. They've always had good young players. They're all given they are the only professional team in the state. They're now starting to really get players who can transition into that professional environment. And I think there's going to be a couple more this year who take big steps forward in the senior team. Adam? Yeah, this is a, the uh, success of the uh, the MPL Queensland team. I think it's a culmination of a sort of a two-year plan where we're pretty much um, the, the, acad- the academy players, I guess the best of, you know, have, have had that sort of grounding against, you know, the best players in Queensland. And obviously it's starting to produce results. Uh, two fully-fledged uh, senior players now in Alex Parsons and Cyrus Demi. We probably could count another, you know, maybe four or five that are probably you know, maybe less than a year away from all sort of joining them. So um, obviously using the, for the, for the Roar as a club, um, using the MPL as, I guess, a proving ground for their, their best young talent uh, is obviously paying dividends to finish second, second in the league in what is a very, very competitive league. For sure. And on that as well, uh, Warren Moon did start uh, his coaching, I suppose, tenure with the Brisbane Roar as the academy general manager as well. And he's put in place a system where these guys are able to progress. And we will actually hear an interview with Warren Moon that was conducted last Saturday at their preseason friendly against the Brisbane Raw Invitational 11, which actually turned out to be the Raw Invitational 22 or so, as the case was out at uh, Underwood Park. But uh, overall, there's, yeah, a lot to look forward to. And you know, I think if you have been following the NPL in Queensland this season, you might see a few familiar names in this Raw A-League men's squad. Uh, now, if you are a kit nerd like myself, the Raw have a new apparel partner as well with New Balance replacing Umbro. I'll be honest, I lost the uh, sweep on who the Raw's new kit partner would be. I thought it was going to be Kappa or possibly one of the local brands. Scott, what do you make of the new jerseys? I'm a bit like you. I thought it was going to be one of the local brands as well. Having seen a few of them around the MPL, there's some really good kits out there. But I think the New Balance kits aren't too bad, are they? They're very different to what we've seen in the past last couple of years with the Raw. But I think they look pretty decent. And yeah, it's a it's a new brand. It's, it should be, it be interesting because I think there were a lot of problems with Umbro for the supporter side, wasn't it, in terms of getting them, getting the shipment in for people to be able to purchase. I think the New Balance deal is a bit better in that regard, so we'll see how that goes, but they look pretty good so far. They certainly do, and what I worked out actually on the weekend, and it just shows how close attention I was paying when they had the FFA Cup match against Peninsula Power, the cup kit is actually different to the standard home kit. There wasn't uh, the same sort of black striping on it, Adam. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, New New Balance uh, coming in, joining such uh, luminary clubs as uh, FC Tokyo. Uh, I'm just looking at the list up here. Uh, AS Roma, FC Porto, Athletic Bilbao. So in illustrious company there. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I was, I was actually surprised that... Um, that uh, they that they were, were on board, but I think we've so far been spared the usual um, moaning and complaining about oh why is it not Nike why is it not Adidas um, like oh, look at the end of the day uh, I think the the brand they have those big brand names as we've seen in 
the the A League in general, it, do, it doesn't mean much status anymore. Like at the end of the day, it's the the kid is the kid, and what's for, affordable for the fans. I will say as well, just on that, uh, you know, a lot of people loved that 2011-12 uh, Puma kit that the Raw uh, beat Perth in the grand final in. Not too fussed on it, mostly because it was a copy of the template that um, Puma used for Tottenham, who I really dislike, Scott. Yeah, can I say one thing, James? You only like this kit because it's from a Boston company, don't you? Well, yes, but it's also uh, from a company that's involved with Liverpool, so it kind of balances all out. <laughs> don't talk about them. <laughs> Would you rather I talk about Manchester City? Mm, let's not talk about them either. Okay. Uh, we will take... How about we ignore England and just move yeah. on? Just for this show, I'll uh, bring it up again after the international break, perhaps. Um, we will take a, a relatively sombre turn now, because uh, on the back end of last season, we were wondering what the situation is with uh, a raw player that we weren't uh, too sure about his status with the team. And unfortunately, the news came out that Isaac Powell has been diagnosed with leukaemia, which is uh, very unfortunate for the player. But um, the good news is it sounds like the raw... Uh, doing their bit to take care of him and the players have been showing their support warming up in uh, PAL 28 shirts and just from the three of us we do hope that uh, Isaac can come through his fight with leukaemia and uh, we'll be back on the pitch before too long absolutely I can't really add too much to that there James it's obviously an incredibly sad story and we wish him all the best in his recovery but it is also encouraging that the rule has said multiple times that when Isaac does recover from this there is still a spot for him in the Brisbane Raw squad, so we don't know when that will be, but they certainly have kept him involved in the fold, and they've shown a lot of support for him, as you mentioned, in the Lions game at the NFA Cup where they wore those shirts. So there's plenty of support there for him, and we echo that support. And uh, wearing those uh, shirts as well in the friendly on the weekend. Yeah, and I think I think it's a case of, of well that you know for Isaac Powell, just see him on the pitch. I think that would be that would be a major victory, and that'll be a major sort of milestone as well. But that that could be when, if ever, at the end of the day, uh, his welfare as a, as a human being, I think, is more important than uh, being an athlete. And I think that's, that's all we can sort of hope for, man. But it's good to see that the Raw have come out publicly and, you know, sort of really supported him, even though he was, uh, he was at the time, off contract. Yeah, and it seems like his medical situation is why uh, it wasn't... Uh, his oh, contract situation wasn't actually publicly revealed, which, look, I'll, I'll own up to it. I without knowing what was going on, and this is also why I try not to rush to judgment on these things, uh, I thought it was a little bit unfair for the player not announcing what was going on. But now having the full picture, it does make a lot more sense. And I suppose it's been handled uh, the way that you would hope it would. All right, now, I suppose we uh, have to go back to the uh, club as it is currently constituted and talk about the upcoming season, which is now only 10 days away, almost 10 days to the minute as we're recording here uh, via Skype. And we'll start off with the fixtures. It was announced, uh, as we all expected, that all A-League men's home games will be played at Morton Daly Stadium after last season's uh, initial run out there. And as you would expect, that was met with mixed reaction from the fan base. I think we can all agree the atmosphere at Morton Daly Stadium is really good when it is packed out and that is the advantage of taking the games all the way out to Redcliffe unfortunately again as well two of us can attest it is a bit of a trek to get out there but uh, we will turn to the mayor of Morton Bay for first reactions 
uh, on their decision for the Raw to return up to Redcliffe. Look, I think what other choice do you have? Uh, that, that's, that's what yep. it comes down to. Uh, look, look, those fans that, you know, for whatever reason are still critical of the decision, uh, come up with a plan B. Where 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 do where do you play it? That is that can that can actually uh, support everything that Raw does, not only as a club but as a business. Like it's easier to say, oh yeah, let's let's throw up Perry Park. What you're going to restrict yourself to three and a half thousand and and you know and and corporate boxes that are very very old and and you know outdated. Like this, this is this is the thing is that it's all well and good to go on screen, especially if your situation is that oh you've got to get an hour. You know, it's you're a little bit hour away from from the ground, but uh, look at the end of the day. Well, then what's the solution? Um, I, I, financially, going back to SunCorp Stadium right now, um, it's just not an option. You, you'd send you send the club broke. Is that is that what we want? So, yeah, look, it, it's it's it is what it is. Um, look, if, if the situation presents itself where uh, the the club outgrows outgrows Morton Daly Stadium, then. I guess they'll be under review, but at the moment, Brisbane Raw will be playing all their, their A-League men and a lot of their A-League women games at Morton Daly Stadium. Served it up to him on a platter and he uh, just devoured it, didn't he, Scott? He did. Firstly, by the way, Ed's parked at Perry. Oh, put yeah, some sorry. respect on the home of Queensland football there, there, Adam. But when you look at the actual schedule, James, most of it's actually pretty good. A lot of them are weekend games at really friendly kickoff times. And there's two Monday games, one of which is in the holidays, the other is the long-awaited return of the Anzac Day game against Sydney FC, which should be a great occasion. The, the one that I'm, I am not very fond of is the Friday game at home against Melbourne Victory at 6.45. That's going to be really difficult to get up there for that one, but most of the kickoff times are really friendly, aren't they? And that's the encouraging thing is last year it was really hamstrung by having so many midweek games back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, and it was very difficult to get people to go up there. Having... A lot of these games kicking off between 5 and 7 on a Saturday, it makes it much easier for people to be able to do it. And I think it'll be an in- increased attendance this year at Morton Daly Stadium. Yeah, and that's exactly you know what we've heard when we've spoken to the club as well is, you know, they were happy with the games that went ahead as scheduled at Morton Daly Stadium, but when you had so many COVID and weather-enforced postponements, it did make it hard to really get out there on a Tuesday night. And I can, I can speak for myself where... I, I had a full season membership and I think I only went to five or maybe six games on my ticket, you know, for a combination of just not being able to get there on a rainy Wednesday night in the middle of, um, in the middle of May or, you know, and given that we are still technically, you know, in a pandemic, there were also a few times where I thought, I'm not feeling great. I'm not going to risk going and sitting out of, out in a public uh, arena when, you know, I, I'm, I know I only have a cold, but I'm not going to risk it. Yeah, and I think that's also reflective as well in the membership numbers at the moment. I heard that... Uh, I haven't actually seen the numbers for myself, but I have heard uh, that the numbers are down as far as full-season memberships. And that, that's... Again, like so a lot of the naysayers will say, oh, the Raw's not popular, it's on the nose. But uh, And look, I, I for one, have I've had their criticisms on certain aspects. But I think with that, I think you've summed it up perfectly James that your situation and that I'm sure a lot of paid up members had the same where you buy 13 games but really because of everything that went on last year um, you only really you know, went to five or six games and that like said so to, to, to go away from a season thinking oh, I've only I've only got 50% of my money's worth 
um, you'd be very, very uh, haphazard in deciding, oh, you know what, I'm going to go in and invest again. So um, I think while the number membership numbers are down at the moment, I think that, that could be contribute to people just until they, um, they figure out all the borders are open, that everything's back to as normal as it can be in the post-COVID era. Um, I'm not sure people are willing to dive in and go to the full membership. That maybe they're they're picking off, you know, either certain games or they're going for the three or five game memberships. The full members that, that takes a lot of dedication, and and you know, I just think at the moment some people uh, don't, uh, they're, they're just not prepared to go to go all in. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Where uh, I will say to the Raw's credit. Uh, Last season, they did put the membership down to about half of what the prices were when they were playing at Suncorp, and that's why, um, and that's why I honestly felt like I was wasn't getting ripped off, only paying two hundred dollars for a season ticket. That in previous years it cost me four hundred. Now the prices have gone up a little bit, um, yeah, a, a little bit. But uh, also, I'm just going to take this online, Scott. Your microphone is fine volume wise; it's just low away from your mouth, so. There we go. Okay, that's the level of professionalism you can expect from the Brisbane Football Review. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so what I was saying with the membership prices was, you know, I was happy to, you know, eat the cost of the tickets that I wasn't using for those games. And they are, and the prices did go up a little bit this year, but it's still cheaper than what it was at Suncorp. So if I, you know, for whatever reason, we might get onto that uh, later in the show, but if I can only make seven or eight games this season... I'm not going to be kicking and screaming that I've been ripped off because, again, you know, that's just the way that uh, life goes sometimes. I would love to be able to get out to every single game, but it's just not possible. And I'll be uh, getting a Paramount Plus subscription to make sure that I can watch every single uh, Brisbane Raw game across the men and women. Subtle plug there if anyone at uh, Channel 10 slash Paramount Plus is listening. Well, if, you're, if, you're a me- um, if you're a member, you get access to Paramount Plus or you get a, a big discount. So I get, there's a reason to get I a do. Yes, that and uh, NCIS, which even though it's not quite as good as it used to be, I still can't give it up. And I, and I want my royalty tech, Josh. He's <laughs> the adventure <laughs> manager at uh, but, <laughs> Brisbane Raw. <Roar. laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, just on the breakdown of the game, Scott... You got, yeah, five Saturday games, three Sunday games, as you mentioned, the Monday game. And it seems like the one Wednesday home game uh, on April 6th against Wellington, that's going to be on the... Uh, that sounds like it's going to be in school holidays, at least here in Queensland. And it also seems like every club is going to have to, you know, bite the bullet and take a midweek match, which I'm yet to see be a popular issue anywhere in the A-League. This is a competition-wide issue. So it is going to just probably be one of those situations where you hope you can get three or 4,000 out to the ground and it's still a half-decent atmosphere. Yeah, I think that's the one game you look at. I think that might be a lower attendance game, but if, if every club has to have one of those, I think you can handle that. It's when it becomes three, four, five, six, seven games back-to-back. That becomes the issue. Again, it's much more friendly this year. I think this is what the Raw were envisioning when they made the move up to Morton Daly Stadium, was having a lot of Saturday and Sunday kickoffs in that late afternoon, early evening window where it's much more easy to get people to go and spend the day up at Redcliffe, maybe go to the beach, have lunch, then go down and watch the game. That's kind of what they were probably envisioning would work quite well for them. And in the games where they were able to do that type of scheduling, it did work for them. So I think I think it could be, it may not necessarily be a bigger number in terms of memberships, but in terms of match day attendance, people purchasing one-off tickets to go to the game, I think it might actually be an increase this year. 
it could very well be. And there is one game that is listed as to be confirmed against Adelaide on the weekend of January 22nd. That is apparently going to be for the FFA Cup final, uh, which is sounds like it's going to be played then. So it sounds like that competition will be uh, completed as scheduled, which is also very, very good news because the Raw are into the quarterfinals of that competition for the first time. Before we go into... Uh, Anything else? Let's run through the squad updates. Uh, we'll start off with player movement and uh, talk about the departures because obviously they are the names that uh, most people would be familiar with for the Raw. Uh, the biggest loss for me, Macaulay Gillespie, he's gone to Plymouth Argyle back in the UK. Riku Danzaki, another huge loss uh, for Constantine Sapporo. Joey Champness, his loan ended and he went back to the Jets before uh, heading to Turkey. Jordan Courtney Perkins, a promising young defender who I admit I had hoped he was going to be the uh, replacement for Gillespie. Uh, he's gone to Poland. I'm not going to try and pronounce that club's name. That will be a bit of an insult. Uh, Jamie Young, Dylan Wenzel-Halls, both gone to Western United. The move of Jamie Young I want to circle back to after quickly touching on Anthony Burke-Gilroy, who's gone to Perth. He made a cameo at the end of the season. Hashan Ramazani, Masato Kudo, and Golgol Mabratu are all free agents, and there may be a couple of other names popping up um, from the Raw youth side as well before too long. But I think we ha- we do have to touch on the departure of Jamie Young as well because like, for so off for so long he was huge for the Raw Scott, and you know it is a case of I feel like he hadn't necessarily dropped off too much, but I do kind of feel like the Raw are saying, you know, worst case scenario, we've moved him on a year too early than a year too late. Yeah, and this has been linked for about, a rumour for about a year, wasn't it? Because about 12 months ago, there was some rumours in the press that Jamie Young was looking to potentially move on to another club. I think West Sydney was the initial club he was linked to. He obviously gone to Western United. It's a big loss for Law in a lot of ways, isn't it? Because he's one of the more experienced players in the squad. He obviously hasn't had the success in his career here that some other players have, but he's a long-term player here, a lot of experience, and he will be a big loss for the squad as we go through the goalkeepers later on, but it's it was something that had been coming, but it is a loss, there's no doubt about that, and I think that he still has a lot of good football in him, and we'll talk more about the opposition teams on next week's show, but I think he's one who will have a big impact down at Western United, so it's a loss for the Raw, no doubt. I think, you know, one, one of the things that, you know, I, I'll i be very interested in when he does uh, return with Western United, and I have to I have to actually give a shout-out to my dad, because he was the one who actually uh, posed this question to me. How will the how will the Den react when he actually does a goal kick? I think it'll he'll just be treated like any other goalkeeper, to be honest. He'll get the usual, uh, yeah, that's something. Hmm, that's which... Yeah, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be any extra venom to it or anything, and I don't think it's going to be like um, Bessart Barisha's uh, final appearance for the uh, for Western United last season, where he carried on like a moron and justifiably got yelled at for it. I think Jamie Young is, you know, quite a smart guy. I think he's got, uh, you know, that sort of wherewithal about him, and he'll you know, say all the right things in the lead-up to the game. See, I think he might skate under the radar, actually, because he was returning. That game, he'll be returning with also Dylan Wenzel-Hall, mm. who I think will cop a bit of stick from from the Brisbane Raw fans, and also John Aloisi making his first return to Brisbane. So I think Jamie Young might just slide under the radar, and people might not quite remember him until a bit later on. And after they've had a go at John Aloisi and Dylan Wenzel-Hall, they might turn attention to Jamie, but... I think the other probably two will be that, the primary Probably targets. in that order as well. I don't like that stuff, by the way. I think you should respect the former players, but I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, well, 
you never know. We'll just have to uh, wait and see how it all happens when they do play Western United next season. That get well, they're actually firstly uh, getting the Aloisi reunion on the 11th of December down in Geelong or Geelong, as I've heard it called by some Americans. Uh, but I believe the match at Morton Daly is on the 26th of March at 4.05pm. Circle that one. So, yep, that should be fun. All right. Uh, we'll quick, quickly run through the list of players who have been signed by the Raw since then. Um, but we'll go into position-by-position position breakdowns uh, next. But we'll start with players in. Matty Steinman, Nikola Miliuznic, Luke Ivanovic, Juan Lescano, Jordan Holmes, Jez Lofthouse, Henry Hoare, Aiden Munford, Nick Olsen, and Anton Mulnarich. And that is uh, from the Raw, the pronunciation. So uh, I really hope I got that right. Yeah. It sounded good. Close enough. Okay. Um, so we'll go through uh, group by group now with the uh, way things are set up with the Raw. And we'll start off with, well, the big boss, I suppose, and go through the uh, coaching staff led by Warren Moon. So we've had a few uh, changes. Darren Davies is now with the Swansea under-18s, and I think we can all say we're really happy for him. He was a genuinely nice guy to deal with and always um, took the time to at least pretend to like us. I'm sure he (laughs) wasn't pretending too much, but uh, maybe not with you two anyway. Uh, Kevin Ahern-Evans, the assistant coach, has departed, as has goalkeeper coach Jason Curtin. Uh, Coming in their places, uh, Scott Guyett is the assistant coach from Crystal Palace. And then Gold Coast United duo, Paul Jones, the goalkeeper coach, and Shane Smeltz, who uh, many of you will remember, has also uh, joined from Gold Coast United. Smeltz was still going around in the NPL this season and actually closed out his year with a brace in the Gold Coast derby against Knight. So I'm sure uh, he may be the break glass in case of emergency striker. Oh, now that that would be interesting. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, Shane Smeltz running around local games, scoring goals for fun. So, uh, yeah, you can't say that he uh, he doesn't keep up his fitness. So, geez, I, I would hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, and that's no that's no dig at uh, Shane Smeltz. Got to keep, probably say the same thing. But um, but yeah, look, he's uh, he's still going around in the MPL Queensland competition. That shows you know that he's still he's still got it. And with such a young attacking force that we will get into later on but having that experienced head to really work with the young attackers like Alex Parsons and particularly I'm most excited to see what he can do with Cyrus Demi because they're both bigger strikers that will hopefully in Demi's case as he continues to mature uh, put a lot of strength on and I think Smeltz is going to be a really good mentor from that as well now Puranabi has been promoted to uh, assistant coach as well by the sounds of it and he brings that real analytical uh, viewpoint to the Raw, doesn't he, Scott? Yeah, he's a very much analytical-based coach. We saw when he was coaching in the NPL, he seemed to set up his team differently from week to week based on the strengths and weaknesses of the opposition team. So he certainly brings a lot. And he was doing a lot of the analytical work for the Raw last year as well. So he's probably still continuing to do that while also being that additional coach on the bench with the departure of Kevin O'Hearn-Evans and Darren Davies. So I think that's the case. I'm all, I think just on Smeltz, I think as... I think there's a lot of Raw fans who would have very mixed feelings if that ever were to happen, by the way, <laughs> given his playing history. If that ever were to happen, but I think he, I think he's a goal, as a specialist coach, what he could bring to the players in the front third is really interesting. And it's an it's an interesting mix. Because Scott Goyet's had a lot of experience in the UK, hasn't he? And I'm like, we've seen the Raw go down that path with players. This is the first time they've gone down that path with a coach, well, an assistant coach anyway, oh, apart from Tony Grant. But 
interesting to see what he can bring as someone who's been involved in a Premier League club for the last couple of years. So that's a lot of experience that you can bring to the table. And that's exactly what uh, you would be hoping for. Quick run through of the pre-season results uh, from the friendlies. Uh, they opened up with a 13-1 win over Wide Bay. Uh, trio of closed-door friendlies, 4-0 over Rochdale, 8-0 over Moreton Bay, 6-0 over Western Pride. A 6-0 win over Capalabar, a 2-0 win over Adelaide. And then on the weekend, they took on the Brisbane Raw FC Invitational and came away with a 3-1 win. And before that match kicked off, I actually had a chance to sit down with Warren Moon and discuss the season ahead. So this is where we will take a quick break and throw to the interview with Warren Moon out at Rochdale. All right, Warren, moving into your second full season as Brisbane Raw head coach, how's the off-season been for you? Uh, Really good. This has been the best preparation so far in terms of um, settled staff, settled squad, um, less interruptions, I think, in terms of uh, having to travel away or, you know, we've had the sustained uh, build-up with a good uh, training pitch and uh, and everything's been in place for us. It's been really, really good. And um, you've been able to, as you said, maintain a fairly stable squad. Uh, Any major injury concerns heading into the season? not major. Look, we had a bit of a blow a few weeks back with Juan Lascano, our, our, our striker. He um, picked up a really innocuous injury uh, and it was strange how it happened, but it, it's kept him out, I guess, for four or five weeks now. So, um, But we, we expect him to be uh, fully fit come the start of the season and we'll integrate him into the games, I guess, um, slowly. But, uh, yeah, we're confident with where he's at right now. And uh, speaking of your pre-season preparations, have you made any changes this year in terms of just getting ready for the mid-November start and, of, and having that three-week uh, pushback as well uh, due to the lockdowns and everything? Has that changed much? Uh, look, uh, you know, I say it all the time. It's, uh, it's about being adaptable, flexible. We uh, are not surprised. We're, we just roll with the punches and uh, we're, we're just ready to go. We're, we're confident with our squad. You know, we're, we're not a team of superstars, we've, but we've got lots of pace, mobility, youth and... Uh, We'll try to uh, use those advantages uh, to the best of our ability and, and get the points in all the games we play. And you've brought quite a few players through from the NPL squad, uh, Cyrus, Alex, and a couple of other guys as well. How valuable has it been having those guys playing regular minutes in the NPL to get them ready for the season? Yeah, I think it's been hugely beneficial towards those players. And, uh, you know, there's nothing like match minutes. And those boys have not only played, but they've performed well in the NPL. And Cyrus, I think it's fair to say, is now the premier striker in the NPL based on the year he's had. You know, uh, I know Andy scored the goals he did. And obviously Andy's a fantastic striker at Peninsula. Um, but I think what Cyrus did with the games to goal ratio that he played, and I think he was, he, he was a standout this year in the NPL. And on Cyrus as well, he was playing high school football in 2020. How amazing has his progression been uh, in your eyes? It has been, but, you know, his uh, ability and talent is one thing. And then, you know, the, the, uh, the mindset, I guess, and the attitude of the player is another thing. And, and he's got, uh, he excels in both. And uh, so it doesn't surprise me how rapid his development's been in the last 12 months. And... Since you've taken over, um, and even with your predecessor, defence has been one of the hallmarks of this Raw squad. You've got uh, Tom back, lost McCauley in the off-season. Is that still going to be that same sort of setup that we've seen over the last couple of years, or have you got a few special tweaks for this coming year? I think, uh, look, I'm really happy with the squad as a whole in terms of what we've got currently. We've got adaptability and flexibility in our playing style, so... You know, I think last year we, we predominantly played a three, but we, it didn't stop us tweaking to a four, you know. You know? So we've got the, the same options this year and probably more options in terms of the players coming in. Anton Milanaric, left-sided centre-back. 
Nick Olsen, who's a left wing back and a left back who can play higher as well, comes in. Um, you know, and we've we've added players into the squad who all have mobility and pace, and I think um, that adds to to that flexibility about how we want to play. And with the largely stable squad, has it been almost a bit of a luxury shopping, adding to it this season, um, just trying to get the cherry on top, as it were? Look, I'm trying to improve the squad, and I think we've definitely done that. And obviously, I think it's well documented. We're not the biggest spenders in the A-League, and we certainly have our... Uh, we work within, within our means, and we're OK with that, and we're, we do the best of what we can at Brisbane Raw with the money we can spend. And uh, we're delighted with the squad we've got, and we think uh, you know, we can surprise a few people this year. I'm pretty sure that is the Brisbane Raw way, looking to surprise a few people. I think so. I think, you know, again... I. I look at a few comments already about where people think we're going to finish and, <laughs> and that's okay because again we understand we don't have the glitz and the glamour names coming to our side um, but we're, we're confident in the players we have in this group that we can achieve something again. Well I'm not going to spoil our pre-season predictions and uh, spoil them here you'll just have to listen to the show for that but uh, opening the season a couple of games in Melbourne pretty tough test first up with Melbourne City how are you looking forward to preparing for that? Yeah, look, and again, the challenges are faced for us around COVID and, you know, I think uh, we, we might not have a choice other than to travel the same day of the game, which is not a great uh, situation, but we're prepared to do our part in terms of making sure that the league is run smoothly and on time and, uh, you know, if that's a sacrifice we have to make and hopefully other teams will have to make those same sacrifices if, uh, if they're going into places where there's restrictions. And um, So, yeah, going, going down to Melbourne, same day travel against the Champions of Australia, it's not easy. Um, but again, we've got great belief in this squad and what we can do. And I think the last time we played them, we, we certainly uh, got some joy against them when they came up to Brisbane. So we, we hope we can go down there and put on a good show around one. And second season at uh, Morton Daly Stadium now, no longer Dolphin Stadium. Uh, how was it playing there? Obviously, having those midweek matches really wasn't ideal for you guys um, in terms of the rescheduling, getting the atmosphere. But that elimination final really had a good atmosphere. And you're hoping for more of that? this coming year? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see that. That kind of crowd turning up on a weekly basis, supporting our boys, you know, um, a lot of players that are playing for the badge, Queensland talent, um, players that have come and have really bought into what we're doing here and, you know, as much support as we can get, you know, to make it as un- uncomfortable as long as, as well with the Queensland heat for these uh, travelling sides to come here with a, a vocal, boisterous support would be fantastic and, you know, we, we certainly would love the, uh, the Queensland public to get behind us and, and turn up in big numbers for our home matches. All right, well, I'll let you go. We've got uh, the friendly starting soon. But uh, final question, what's going to be the story of the Brisbane Raw season? I think it's uh, another season of progression, hopefully, from a talented young squad. And, uh, and hopefully we're going to go deep into the finals. That's, that's our hope and that's what we're certainly aiming to do. Warren, thank you very much for your time. Best of luck this season. We're really looking forward to seeing you guys in action in the A-League men's. Cheers, James. Thanks, mate. All right, thanks to Warren Moon for taking the time to sit down before the game there and I do like the way that the Raw are really playing themselves up as these as these sort of you know scrappy underdogs everyone's riding us off they're not they're not doing the oh we don't pay attention to stuff from the outside they know where everyone is predicting them to finish and you know I think they're going to take that as a real source of motivation this coming season Adam uh it's been a while since the Raw have actually been in sort of I guess uh Let's just call them, I guess, the Southerners' views on where the side really sort of lies. Obviously, it's probably you probably go back as far to the uh, I hate calling it that, but the Rossellona era, uh, where the Raw were considered, you know, one of the favourites of the competition. And look, I think you know, for a Queensland-based side, I think uh, 
and and having so many queens as a team that actually resonates. Um, that uh, that you know the raw, you know, are always going to be sort of looked down upon as you know there are that the chances you know in predictions are normally down you know. To, to to miss the, the miss the finals or even you know worse than that finish bottom and all that. and I think I think this club relishes I think it's just a, a almost an instant layer of motivation that really that Warren Moon and his team his coaching stuff really don't need to impart because those players especially those Queensland players would know all too well what it's like to be sort of a Queenslander and looked down upon by by the Southerners. They may be the only uh, Queensland-based professional club in the A-Leagues, but they're certainly not the only Queensland club. There are two that play out of Victoria. There's more than that down there. <laughs> professional. Most of the Pro- others are semi-professional, though. Well, they claim to be, anyway. All right. <laughs> yeah, so... I, I, and the other thing as well is, yeah, Warren and you know uh, Dave Parade, the CEO, as well. Like, this is a continuation of what they started... Uh, with post-COVID, talking about wanting to be the Queensland club for Queenslanders. And that strategy seems like it's really going to be, you know, uh, front and centre once again this year. Uh, We'll quickly touch on the FFA Cup results as well, because the Raw are into the quarterfinals for the first time in their history. 3-0 wins over Peninsula Power, and a 4-0 win over Lions FC have got them through thus far. And, okay, they are against NPL clubs, but let's be honest, they're two powerhouses of the competition up here. And that both of them would, you know, really going all out to make sure that they were able to give the Raw a real scare. And just speaking, uh, think more about that power game, which we were all in-person attendance for. You two were at the Lions game while I was watching on the screen. I think, I think the Raw showed that, you know, for all the criticism that, you know, they might get about, you know, not maybe not necessarily living up to the expectations that other people have for them, there is still a pretty big gap between uh, the NPL level and the A-Leagues here. And I think, you know, they were still in pre-season. And I would describe both of those wins as fairly comfortable. I don't know about you, Scott. In the end, they were pretty comfortable. But the degree of difficulty on them wasn't so much in the opponents. It was the the occasion and the circumstance. Because there's a lot of people up here who've been looking forward to matchups like the, like the Peninsula Power game and particularly the Lions game for the last couple of years. Saying, I wonder how they would go if they played in competitive games. And the Raw came through both those games in fairness to them very, very well. Particularly the power game they dominated from pretty much minute one. It took it took the power a long time to get a foothold in the game. Second half they created a little bit. But the Lions game, again, they were on the front foot early, got the early goal. Lions made a bit more of a game of it, but they came through both games really, really well, James. And that's the encouraging thing for them, is it wasn't a scrappy result either way. They did it comfortably, and they showed that they have made strides in terms of what they're doing because in the past this is the first time we've made it to the quarterfinals and yes it's the first they've had back-to-back games against NPL teams but this is this is the, this is unprecedented for the Raw to get to the quarterfinals it does it does create an interesting dynamic as well James just quickly in terms of when the quarterfinal rolls around during the A-League season how seriously do they take it if that becomes a midweek game wedged between two league fixtures does that become the priority for the week or do they play second string so this is, a, this is a new problem for the Raw, but it's a very good problem to have. It's a welcome one to have. Yeah, look, I think in both both games, I think the, the overall summary would be simply that the Raw, you know, came out that looking looking the much better team, and, and so they should at this time of year. And I think that's, that's why, as well, you take away the opponent, because, again, I think um, when you look at the scoreline, you'd say they're very comfortable victories, but in both games, there were moments where the Raw, you know, they looked like they were under pressure, where they had to sort of dig deep, to sort of to to repel 
to repel sort of the uh, the opposition, and that that's probably a good sign as well that both both are clean clean sheets as well, which which meant that yeah, you know, and this is we're talking about the the the, the premiers and the grand final wins that they've they've beaten on the way through to um to the quarterfinals. So uh, yeah, look, I think uh, any sort of myths about you know Raw taking the game seriously or anything like that, I look, I think um. I think, yeah, that they've come through that flying colours. But I agree with what Scott says. Um, it's going to be a new dimension when these FFA Cup ties do become a midweek game and that, you know, it's very, very easy, especially if they were to draw a Federation member club in the next round. What do they do in terms of team selection? Is it more important than, you know, the league, which, uh, you know, I think most people would say the league is always should be paramount as far as, you know, your, as, as far as, you know, the priorities. Uh, look, and that's that's going to be very very interesting. Raw, but we know that can actually can handle, you know, a run of games where they've got to play, you know, every three days, as we saw last season. Although they did run petrol at the end of it. For sure, I, it, it is good to see though, like that, and they will have learned from that uh, last season as well. Okay, now time to get into the uh, meat of the show, I suppose. And we'll run down each positional group and uh, the names in it and just, I suppose, run down the big questions surrounding them as well. We'll start off out uh, from the back with the goalkeepers. Jamie Young has gone. Macklin Freak, who was the uh, backup last season, uh, he has been joined by Jordan Holmes and Aidan Mumford, uh, two very, very capable shot stoppers in their own right. So I'm going to start this one off with you, Scott. Is it Freak's job to lose, or is it an open competition? I think it's an open competition, actually, because when it, when they first signed Jordan, I thought, okay, well, he's going to be the number one, but Macklin Freak has played the two games competitively so far, and the FFA Cup kept two clean sheets and done quite well. So at the moment, you would say he probably has the edge. Well, I think Jordan Holmes played a fair few of those games in the preseason behind closed doors. So they've certainly both been playing. But this is the most open competition for a goalkeeper spot since I think right back to the John Aloisi era with Jamie Young and Michael Theo where they had two really good goalkeepers. This is probably two goalkeepers with really good potential. I think Macklin will get the first shot at it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they both get their opportunity at some point. And for Aiden Munson, it's good to see him get some opportunities. We've seen him around in the NPL for the last couple of years. It's good to get the opportunity for him. I think he will be third choice, but... The other two, I think, it's an open competition, and I think Macklin might just have the edge at the moment. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think uh, the original design would have been, you know, Jordan Holmes gets brought in, and uh, he would be the automatic number one, being, uh, you know, part of the Oli Roos up and playing over in the UK. But, uh, yeah, by, by all evidence so far, uh, Macklin Freak has been rewarded for, I guess, also loyalty and good performances. And, uh, yeah, he's the one that's been in in between the sticks for the uh, for the two FFA Cup games, which are the two competitive games. So, yeah, I expect him to probably be starting uh, in goals against Melbourne City in 10 days' time. I, I would back Freak as well. However, I don't think that uh, if there is a rough run of results, uh, Moon will hesitate to throw Jordan Holmes in. In that friendly uh, out at Rochdale on the weekend, I was really impressed with uh, some of the saves that Holmes made. He wasn't tested too much, but when he was called upon, he, uh, I thought he you know, held his concentration really well and came through with flying colours. All right, moving on. Defenders. We'll start with the fullbacks, and it's two players uh, for two players per position. You've got Josh Brindle-South and Jack Hingett to man the right flank, and Corey Brown and Nick Olsen on the left. Is this the deepest position group, Adam? 
Uh, yeah, it has been traditionally because uh, you got you got two per position, but they can also um, all all those players as well. Well, in most regards, can also cover both sides. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. at the moment. Obviously, uh, Jack Hingott's injury probably means that uh, that you know, uh, Josh Brindle South will will be the uh, starting uh, right wing back or right fullback, whatever you want to have we want to call it within their formation uh, for that. But uh, yeah, look, if uh, Jack Hingott's fit, we know we know what he can bring you know, his experience and sort of you know and and leadership. So that's going to be a very very interesting challenge as well. And I think Nick Olsen as well, uh, who will probably play under say to Corey Brown, who Corey Brown was was one of the better players for the Raw last season. Uh, but again, he he certainly is capable uh, of doing jobs. So I think that the the fullback rolls to the raw. I think you covered either side. Scott? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the deepest position in the squad or not, but it is a very, very good group of fullbacks. I think we saw last year that Jack Hing and Corey Brown had outstanding years in those wingback roles where they had more freedom getting forward, and I think they will be the first choice options. Josh Brindle South, probably that really good backup who can cover both sides, and Nick Olsen, someone who we haven't seen too much of so far, but he's got that reputation where he can play as a, as a fullback and a winger, so that tells you automatically he's probably more of the attacking variety as well, so it's four fullbacks who like to get forward, so I think that tells you, whether it's a back four or a back five, that's the way the Raw are going to play in the wide areas, they're going to be getting forward in those areas, I think, as usual, Hingit and Brown will get the first crack in those positions, and they're two of the more experienced players in the side, so they've, and they had great years last year. For sure. And uh, congratulations to Jack Hingard on his uh, off-season wedding as well. And thank you for giving me the perfect segue there, Scott, as well. Uh, Back four or back five, because it's going to come down to the central defenders. Tom Aldred, Anton Milnaric, Scott Neville and Kai Truen are the first-team centre-backs in the squad, as it is currently constituted. And the question is, Scott, we'll throw it right back to you. You go with two or three central defenders. I think they'll start off going with the back three, but injuries, if they were to strike, may necessitate a move to the back four. You mentioned, is the fullbacks the most the area where they all have the most depth? Well, the area where I think they are the lightest on is in central defence. If they do play in a back three, that leaves only... they got to, That means Anton Milnaric will be on the bench because he'll be... The other three will start, but it means actually players like Scott Neville and Tom Aldred are going to be absolutely essential to this team because there's just not a lot of depth behind them and, and certainly not a lot of experience depth behind them. Kai Truen had a good year last year establishing himself as an A-League regular, but he's still a very young player. So I think he's going to need to have those experienced players alongside of him still as he continues to develop, which means that Scott Neville and, and Tom Aldred will be absolutely crucial for this team. I think Warren always talks about the flexibility to go between a back four and a back five. I think about 90% of the time last year, it seemed to me at least they were playing a back five, so I think that's how they'll start, James, but I'm sure we'll see the four at some point. Flexibility is going to be the key for this side as well, and uh, Aldred didn't play in that friendly on the weekend as well. Uh, I I honestly would not be surprised if he's possibly not available for that uh, Melbourne City game, but the back... If they did play a back four uh, on the weekend, it was Kai Truen at right back. He does have that flexibility to uh, push wide if need be as well, as does Scott Neville. He uh, was paired up in central defence with Anton Milnaric and Corey Brown was on the left flank as well. It is going to be really, I, I suppose, intriguing um, because Milnaric is that left-sided defender and I think he's going to fill that Macaulay-Gillespie role. You know, I, I don't want to put 
too high an expectation on him, considering he is just a short-term loan signing as well, at least for now. Um, but he will be uh, that left-footed uh, stopper role that if they do want to go to that option, um, they can uh, put Milnarich on that left side and have Truen, Neville and or Aldred taking up the other two spots. However, I do think if they do run with the back four, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the midfielders, which is where we're going to go next. And uh, the key figure here for me is all about Matty Steinman, the German player who will take up that holding role that I think going back about 12 months, that was the position that we were all, I suppose, most concerned about in uh, the midfield group. Do they have that that player that can fill that role that Pardaloo, Bratton, uh, Corona, all filled with aplomb? And if they do go to a back four, he can always drop back and fill in and play as the third central defender as the fullbacks push on at him. Yeah, and look, I think this is probably, uh, for mine, Matty Steinman's probably the, the biggest signing for the Raw in terms of their, of you know, how the, the way they play their game, the way that they want to they form. Because you're right, in, in the names you just mentioned, uh, you know, go, going back to, you know, an Eric Partaloo, you know, Luke Bratton, you know, Corona. When those players have been in that, uh, I guess, that six or eight role, the Raw have found a success because it opens up the rest of the game, uh, both defensively and also as well. Uh, Simon has shown, especially in um, especially in the preseason, that he can score a goal too, which is, you know, goals out of midfield for the Raw. Last season was a, was a sort of a, a rarity if you don't sort of include, you know, those more attacking midfielders. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, I think it all sort of, you know, comes down to, you know, how well seasoned does Matty Steinman have and how he fits within that system well, may, may dictate, you know, on how, how well the Raw go this season. And one other player from that central midfield uh, group of uh, Jesse Daly, Jay O'Shea, and Raman Akbari, the latter has been uh, popping up with plenty of goals in preseason, and he may turn out to be the biggest beneficiary of the signing of Matty Steinman because he has been freed up to really push forward and... Um, it is something that we'll, uh, you'll hear from Jay O'Shea about in a couple of minutes. But he's relishing life going forward and just adding that extra body in attack. Absolutely. And he's played in that front third, actually, in a couple of his FFA Cup ties. So he's been giving that, that freedom, you mentioned, James, to play his natural game. That's where he first broke into the Raw senior squad, was as an attacking midfield player. And he's been pushed back into that role this year and he's done it really, really well in pre-season. So if that's where that they're going to deploy Ramadak Bar, I think that's where you're going to see the best of him in that front third. I, I, I can see why they tried to put him in that pivot role, James, because he's good on the ball and he's got a good pass, but he's best utilised in that front third. And if he's going to have Jay O'Shea and Matty Steinman behind him potentially in the midfield, I think that'll allow him to be freer and to, create, to be able to play his natural game and create opportunities for himself and others. So... I think it's been really encouraging to see that step forward from Ramat this year, and if that's what we're going to see from him, he could become a really important X-Factor player in the side this year. Because I think people probably thought that when Steinman arrived, he would drop to the bench, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to play um, a different role this year. For sure. Now, we could talk about Jay O'Shea. I'm sure we'd all love to talk about Jay O'Shea. But you know what? Let's just talk to Jay O'Shea. Jay, just coming off a pretty uh, impressive win in the friendly against the Raw Invitational Eleven. How was that for you? 
Yeah, it was good. Really good to get 90 minutes in the legs. That was my first 90 minutes. So um, obviously we're preparing now for Melbourne City. We're only two weeks out. So um, they gave us a really good test today. They had some really good players and um, they were actually a lot better than I expected. So um, it's great preparation for us leading into uh, the A-League in a couple of weeks. What's been your focus this off-season just in terms of your game, uh, working on things, uh, preparing for the next A-League men's season? Yeah, obviously uh, I'm, I'm playing a... A new position, relatively new. Uh, I've been only really playing a six um, for a couple of years now, so I'm still trying to learn the position. Um, obviously, we're, we're doing a lot of work and training and stuff because we're working on a few different formations. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the main focus is just to come back stronger and better. We're obviously trying to get better at the formation we've played last year. We're trying to build on that, and um, I think we've brought in some really good players to help us get better. Um, we've brought in a lot of speed this year. Um, which is going to help us a lot, especially on the counter-attack. And um, I think we've got some dangerous players in the team now. And with those new players, for a creative guy such as yourself, how much fun is that having that uh, range of speed players to try and pick out? Yeah, I think if it, the last half an hour there, when the game opened up, you could really see when we brought on um, Nico and Luke, uh, who are probably the two quickest on our team, um, there was a lot of space and uh, I was able to just pick out passes and uh, put them through. So it's, it's obviously going to help my game and uh, it's going to help the team massively. And speaking of learning the new position, what have been the main differences for you and the things you've really had to adapt to since dropping into that six role? Um, I just think you, ha- you have to be um, you have to be a lot a lot safer on the ball. You have to protect it a lot better. Um, I think the higher you are up the pitch, you can try different things. And obviously, if you lose the ball, you're 70 yards from goal. But um, if you're dropping into that position, you have to really, really protect the ball and you have to look after it. You can't give away too many passes. Um, so uh, that's that's one of the biggest things that I've I've learned. You need to really really protect the ball and um, and move it as quick as you can because you can't get caught in that middle part of the pitch or um, the, the other teams in straight in on goal. And this is now your third season in Australia. How have you found your time here so far? And um, what's brought you back? I suppose. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it here. Um, I love it. I love the A League. Um, I love everything about uh, Brisbane Roar. Um, the staff, the fans, all the players have been so welcoming, welcoming with me since I've got here. And I think the second, the second I got here, I was only a few weeks into my first pre-season and uh, all I was thinking about was trying to get a new contract so that I could stay here long term. And uh, luckily enough, um, I think it was midway through the second year, we started negotiating and uh, I'm, I'm happy now that I'm going to be here for another three seasons so, um, and hopefully beyond that because... Um, my family loves it here as well, and uh, it's been a, it's been a great change for us. Uh, from a lifestyle lifestyle perspective, good thing I can you know, yeah. construct a sentence uh, here at the moment. <laughs> uh, what's been uh, some of the ways you've kept busy in between matches and uh, with the family around here? Yeah, it's um, obviously with the weather and uh, being so close to the sea and stuff like that. You can you can actually do a lot more recovery stuff here. Um, it's. Um, yeah, you can on your on your days off. You can go down to the beach. You've got a swimming pool close by all the time, so you can do your recovery sessions. Whereas sometimes in England, you're not really so you're not so lucky to have all that stuff around. And your days off, you might spend lazing around because the weather's not so great. But here, you're out and you're doing your recovery and you're enjoying it um, because uh, you're out. The weather's beautiful. You can do all all the stuff you need to do and. Um, the biggest difference for me, I think, with the A-League is that you play one game a week, so you've got you've got a, a week nearly every time you play to recover, so you're going into every game fresh, whereas in England, it's a bit of a slog, like you can play 50 games sometimes in a season, so 
Um, it's quite hard to recover every game and sometimes you're going into games not feeling your best um, so that's, been, that's a good thing and Macklin he's an unbelievable goalkeeper <laughs> subtle plug there yeah. <laughs> no uh, yeah but that's that's been the biggest thing uh, especially especially at the age I'm at now it's, it gives me the best chance possible to recover every game and go into every game feeling as good as I can possibly and just with uh, the raw squad as well one thing that always has stood out at least from the outside is it seems like a really tight-knit group of players and one that's always willing to welcome in new people yeah I think um, this is one of the best dressing rooms I've been in throughout my career um, for welcoming players in um, it doesn't take lo- players long to settle in I think that's the culture that we're trying to build here from the top to bottom um, that comes from the very top as well with uh, even D- David Porter you see him in around the lads he's, he's great to have around you've got Shane Stefanuto always around the place as well so um, I think that's the culture that they're trying to trying to build here and um, yeah it's, it's, it is it's, it's one of the best dressing rooms I've been in and it's um, I think that helps the new players coming in and the young guys as well quite a few players coming through from the NPL set up Cyrus Alex just to name a couple uh, of many many options coming through um, how have you found the young players when it comes to adapting into the side and obviously Chris Grossman's set up with the NPL as well yeah I think um, they've got so many players here and I think um I think that it was lucky for us that we had so many good players and not not so um, all the other clubs maybe not as lucky as us with all the good players coming through because when COVID hit, obviously financially it hit a lot of clubs in the A-League and we were able to look to our younger players and uh, they've been brilliant. They've stepped up really well into the first team and um, yeah, long may it continue and there's probably a few more to come through in the next couple of years as well who are training with us um, who look like they're ready to come through as well. So... Um, yeah, they just have to wait their turn and work really hard, and, and they've got they've they've all got really good attitudes. They all want to learn. You, you like even like Cyrus, he's he's always coming to me asking me questions and trying to work on his first touch. And like he, the the fact that he has all that, like he's willing to learn so much, um, that'll only do him good in his career. All right, well, Jay, thank you very much for your time after fairly draining ninety minutes out there. We really appreciate it, and really looking forward to seeing you in action this season. Yeah, thanks very much. Great to speak to you. Thanks, mate. And that was after the Raw's pre-season friendly. And a big thanks to Jay O'Shea and the Raw for um, accommodating us out there. Uh, moving on now to the attacking options uh, from midfield. You've got Henry Hoare, Jez Lofthouse, Nikola Miliuznic, and Alex Parsons. Uh, Hoare and Lofthouse, NPL stalwarts. And um, I'll, I'll be completely honest, there are quite a lot of local football fans that may actually not know what to do now that they... Uh, can't spend all the time complaining for Jez Lofthouse to get a shot at playing in the A-League. Yeah, that probably that is probably the most anticipated signing. I know where we sometimes have been uh, fanboys of Jez Lofthouse, but that's, that just shows as well that he probably was the highest rated prospect, not only sort of in, in uh, NPL Queensland, but I, I think almost in the NPL NPL competitions across the country. He's always the first name whenever Olympic were uh, participating in the FFA Cup that, you know, that he would get attention, you know, in the sort of the previews of, you know, players to watch and whatnot. So to see him actually get his his opportunity at last, and we say at last because it seems like he's a veteran um, at the NPL level, but he, he's, uh, he's only 22. So I think it's it's amazing to see what, what he can do uh, going into the season. I... I we don't know what to expect yet. Uh, obviously, how he'll fit into what is a very, very crowded and deep attacking group. But you know, 
if if the sort of I guess his you know trajectory keeps going, look, we we can uh, certainly get excited, you know, when Jeslov hits the field. Especially seems that he had sort of a, a very checkered season this season with injury and whatnot. So I think he'll also be having uh, a lot lot of points to prove. Scott. Yeah, I think, James, this is the group of players that I'm most looking forward to seeing. I mean, we'll, go, we'll talk about Nikola Milosevic first. He's also, he's very, very quick, obviously, and we've seen the impact he's had in the in the front third already for the team. So he's come in and he's made an instant impact, which is very, very encouraging. But of the other three, Alex Parsons, Henry Hoare, and um, Jez Loftus, there are three players who've played a lot of football here in the NPL Queens, and all three have shone, and they've all three have earned this opportunity, and I'm very excited to see what they can do. With Jez, it's something I think we've we've all been hoping this would happen for a very long time, and it's probably been close a couple of times. It hasn't quite happened, but the fact that it's here now is absolutely outstanding. And I, I think having a multi-year deal for him also allows him the time to get himself settled at the raw, get get his body right, get himself up to speed, and then have an impact. So I don't think it'll be an instant impact, James, in the first half of the season. I think we'll see a lot of him in the second half of the year, and then next year will be the year where I think he really pops, but it's just great to see him get the opportunity because he's well and truly deserved it. That is one thing that has stood out to me seeing uh, Lofthouse play in person that maybe doesn't necessarily translate onto the screen. He is quick. But you you see him in person and you realise that he just has that extra couple of Ks an hour that sometimes I've found that I, you know, at least from my perspective, I do miss when you're watching him uh, on a stream or something, but... Uh, that that is seemingly going to be the uh, story of this group as well. They're quick. Uh, Miljusnic, obviously, when they signed him, they posted all the stats about how fast he was uh, to run. And uh, Hoare and Parsons, they're no uh, slouches either. The one point I do want to make on Alex Parsons before we go to you, Scott, um, is uh, he has a wand of a left foot. And if any A-League defender uh, gives him space to use that left foot, then... He is going to punish them. We saw that uh, down in Gosford last season as well. We've seen it in the NPL uh, down at Carrara, that beautiful goal against Gold Coast Knights, uh, fantastically commentated on as well. Uh, he's going to be, he's going to be uh, a real asset uh, coming there as well. And in that group, he's, they're all going to have time to develop because no one's going to be relied on to you know, be that real salvation. Firstly, commentary was questionable. Make our own, make our own minds up on that, but the goal was absolutely outstanding. But the point I want to make, James, you mentioned that they're all really quick. They've, it's not just with their leg speed. It's in terms of they've got quick feet. They can do things with the ball very, very quickly to completely throw the players out of bounds. That's what. That's probably the thing with Jez. It's not just the fact he's quick with foot speed. He's can. He's got quick feet, and that makes him an extra threat. So I do think. I do think. Do think he will have an impact this year. Probably more that roll off the bench thing. Think Joey Champness, but maybe a little bit more technical, is what what I would say. If you haven't seen him play and as much as we have, that's the type of player I think you can expect to see that sort of impact. I yeah. think it's that's hopefully a couple. I more think goals. it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see you late in the game against Tyrone defense, seeing both uh, Jez Lofthouse and Nikola Miljusnic you know, bombing down the wings, and then you have a play like you have a player like a Cyrus Demi who can who is a really really strong hold up player. Um, I think it's a case of you know, if if uh, there are team if there are A League clubs out there that have got questions about their fitness, 
uh, they don't want to be testing the Raw you know, late in the game because you know they're going to be fit. That's something that the Raw have worked on as well. And having those sort of players, those really quick players, you know, sort of trying to get in behind, that could be absolute carnage if that's allowed to happen. So that, that, that'd be a warning to uh, the other clubs. You know, they've got, you know, Raw have got a couple of weapons, especially late in the match. And speaking of weapons, uh, we'll finally run through the forwards. Cyrus Demi, Luka Vanovic, and Juan Lascano. Lascano has been battling uh, injuries the last couple of weeks, but I would not be surprised if come round one, he's at least fit enough to come off the bench for a 30-minute cameo. He is just, not to put too much pressure on him, but Lascano is the sort of forward that we have seen work so well in a Warren Moon system as well. The name that pops up for me, just in terms of build, is uh, Marek Madley, who scored for fun under Warren Moon at uh, Lions FC. And Lascano, he has a pedigree uh, about him as well. And he really was that sort of big-bodied, strong striker that, that quick players can all buzz around that they were really missing last season. Yeah, they've really looked for a certain type of striker, haven't they? Because all three of them with um, Lascano, Ivanovic and Demi, they've all got that height about them and do kind of fill that Marek Madley role in certain ways, but they've also got different things about them. I think also Ivanovic has missed the FFA, FFA Cup tie against Lions with injury. I think he's back now, so he may also potentially be some sort of doubt for round one, but I just think that front group is going to be so exciting. Lascano, in the brief look at him that we saw against Peninsula Power, he looks a natural finisher. He only got one chance in that game, but he took it absolutely beautifully, and that gives you the confidence that he can be that goal scorer at the Raw have not had for the last couple of years, really since Jamie McLaren left. So I think he could be a massive, massive addition for them. But the player that I'm most looking forward to is Cyrus Demi, James. I mean, it's he, we've, we've all seen him play in the last 12 months in the NPL. And he, for me, he bears a lot of comparison to Kwame Yeboah when he first came through in terms of they were both explosive and dynamic at the, at the youth league level, although Cyrus has more goals to his game. And if you think back, Kwame got a couple of opportunities at the back end of the 12... 2012-13 season when the Raw lost in the semi-final to the Wanderers, but it was only about 10 minutes off the bench. And then the next year, he scored scored a goal in pre-season, which gave him a lot of confidence. And then he really started to pop. And by the by the, that December, he'd had an interest in Europe and was heading off overseas. I'm not saying Cyrus is going to do the same, but they look very very similar to me in the, the type of players that they are. And I do think the goals that he scored against Lions in the FFA Cup. Not that he knows he can't score goals, because he scored 20-odd of them in the NPL this year, but that confidence, James, of scoring a goal for the senior team, it would have done him the world of good, and I can see him having a massive, massive year, and I think that he is the X-factor in this squad. I think he'll probably be used off the bench, but I can see him, to Adam's point, last 20 minutes, I can see him having a massive impact in the front third for the Raw this year. I think the best part about this group as well, and, you know, we've spoken about versatility and whatnot, is, like, even if uh, Moon decided, screw it, we're going 4-4-2, like that old, old-fashioned old style of play, they've got the group that uh, could absolutely handle it as well. You put, you know, any combination of those three up top, and you've got a pretty decent uh, strike force. Yeah, and look, I, I agree with those points. I think with it, just on uh, Juan Lascano, I think he, he gives off a certain vibe of a striker that, you know what, he he may graft and grind for, um, you know, for most of the game, and then he'll be, he'll be the one, that, that the typical striker that, you know, will do nothing for, you know, 80, 80 minutes or so, and then pop up and score, score a goal. And that's, I think that's what we've got to expect from, from you know, you've got a pure striker. 
out there, which is something the Raw hasn't had for a long time. I think Jay McLaren, I, I would agree, would be probably the last pure striker that that the, the Raw had. So I think that it's, it's got to be a case of the, for the fans. I think you need to be patient with with him. That you know what he is going, he is going to you know obviously work and grind, and you know and he's going to get taken out of the game by by central central defenders but he also gives off the the uh thought that you know he could just pop up at the right time and score that critical goal uh so look i'd be very very interested to see that you know if the pedigree that he's brought um does does mesh and uh advantages the raw for sure and you know i'm admit this is where my brisbane bias is going to show through but I would not be at all surprised if Lascano's in the mix uh, for the Golden Boot as the season goes along. Possibly, you know, 15 to 20 goals. Because as we've seen over the last 18 months under uh, Warren Moon's uh, mentorship, this is a side that creates chances. That was never an issue for them last season. It was just finishing them as well. And let's be honest, like, they've got the pe- goal-scoring pedigree in this side. I was going to say the exact same thing, James. We'll talk about our predictions next week, but I think that he will be absolutely at the front end of the goal boot race. He might not win it, but I think he's going to score 10, 15 goals this year, and I think that's going to put him somewhere in and around the leadership mark there. So I think that, again, the Raw do create an abundance of chances, and he looks like in the 15, 20 minutes that we've seen, and that's all we can go off, James, in terms of competitive games, he looks like a lethal finisher. Someone you give him a chance, he's going to take it. And Again, I do think back to Jamie McLaren, Bessar Borussia. That's what you think of. He looks like that type of player. Now, that's a lot of expectation to put on him, given he's only played 20 minutes and he's coming off a bit of an injury. But what else can he do? He looks like he could be that type of player, and the Raw haven't had that, to Adam's point, for the last couple of years. I think he could make a massive impact. For sure. All right, uh, we've got one last group of players to get to. You may be wondering who the hell is left, because we've been talking about the squad for the last 26 or so minutes. However... We've got the youth players. We've mentioned the success that the uh, youth team has had in the National Premier Leagues. Uh, we've mentioned the likes of Alex Parsons and Cyrus Demi who have graduated through. Uh, and we'll talk about the players that may uh, wind up making their way onto the bench for, if not debuts, and adding to their minimal appearance tally thus far. And the name that really jumps out to me right off the bat, even though it is a very crowded group of players to break through, will be Eli Adams. Yeah, Eli Adams is one. He's had a really good year with the Raw as a new team as well. So he's certainly somebody who could force their way into the mix. But there's a lot of other attacking midfielders there, James, who he's going to be fighting four minutes with. So it could be interesting to see how that battle goes. The one that I would pick out is actually in the middle of midfield, Luis Zabala, who joined the Raw Academy 12 months ago as a midfield player, originally from North Queensland, but playing in Sydney. At first, he didn't really look like he was much of a prospect. But this year... He's really taken a leadership role in that midfield for the young Roar and been the driving force in terms of as that number eight. He wasn't it wasn't the number six because he always had a Talbot or someone else behind him to anchor the midfield. But as that link player in midfield, he looked really, really encouraging. And he's been on the bench twice now in the FFA Cup, so I think he's pretty close to getting an opportunity. I think he could be one that gets a breakthrough this year as well as a couple of defenders like the Dominic Horwoods and the Jackson Hart Phillips who... We've seen as well, but I think Louis Zabala is the one to keep an eye on. And let's be honest, as we have learnt uh, with football and just about any sport in general, injuries happen. You are going to need to call on your depth. Yeah, I'll look, uh, I think Scott saw a couple of my ones. Um, look, I, I agree <laughs> definitely about Louis Zabala, uh, that I think without his leadership, whatnot, Raw don't 
don't get into second place in the MPL without him. He had a fantastic season. I think he, he's about to be rewarded as well. Dominic Corwood as well. I think defensively, as we said, um, as we said that, you know, they do look a bit skinny. And he looks a sort of player who in the back end of the season, you know, he, he sort of came into his own as far as, you know, a critical starting defender for the uh, young Raw. So he may also get his opportunities. He's very well regarded by by the Raw as well. So, um, yeah, there's still plenty of young players, you know, in the midst that can come through if there are injuries. All right. Well, that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We are slowly uh, getting through things as well. We appreciate your company over the last hour and a quarter, let's say. Um, We'll quickly, we will leave you with a teaser of what's to come next week as we prepare for round one of the A-League men's season. Uh, We're going to cast a slightly wider net on our previews, talk about uh, some of the other uh, clubs in the competition, discussion on the uh, season as a whole, offer our predictions for who's going to finish where, make sure that I uh, remember to record that for the end-of-season review, and talk about the Raw season opening clash with the defending champions, Melbourne City, which I'm sure we're all very confident the Raw are going to win 5-0 with no semblance of bias or whatsoever <laughs> so say you that great record in Melbourne is going to shine through once again James <laughs> alright so that's going to be it thank you Adam yep thanks gentlemen thank you Scott good to talk to you once again guys yes it is very good to be back for another Brisbane Raw season thank you everyone for listening really appreciate your company thanks to Warren Moon and Jay O'Shea and the Raw for helping set up those uh, interviews And a big thanks to our new partners at Clutch. Uh, We will be back next week for another edition of the Brisbane Football Review.